Today we'll be reading from Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. In your pew Bible, that will be page 1007. Let us begin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through the flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the Word of God. Find Hebrews 10 in your Bible. If you haven't already, hopefully you have. Hebrews 10. For the last couple months, we've been in this series called One Another. We've been looking at uh, not all of, but just a handful of the one another statements in the New Testament. We started with love, love one another. We talked about teach one another and welcome one another and exhort one another. And today we're going to land on stir up one another. Stir up one another to love and good deeds. This is also the last week for our community art project. So out here in the foyer, uh, we're just so, so proud of you as a church. So many of us have been taking those little slips of paper and sticking them up there. This is our, our last week to do that. You'll see some beautiful golds and silvers out there to kind of uh, let the light shine through those and add a little sparkle. And some of you might be thinking, as you look at our, our project out there, you might be thinking, well, it looks, it looks a little messy. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to church, right? <laughs> Welcome to church. Church is a little messy. So stir up one another this morning. Let's, uh, the, the passage up there is incorrect. That's my mistake. It should be Hebrews chapter 10, like Tyler read. Tyler read the right thing. Find Hebrews 10 in your Bible. We'll start at verse 19 here in just a second. But before we begin, if I was to ask you, how would you summarize the whole Bible? If you had to put the whole Bible into a sentence, could you do that? Well, the Bible kind of puts the whole Bible into a sentence for us. We might say that this is sort of the summary of the Bible. God's, God's declaration to us that I will be your God, you will be my people. Those words are all throughout the Scripture. God spoke those to Abraham. God spoke those words to the Israelites in the wilderness. They're in the Psalms, they're in the prophets, they're in 2 Corinthians. They span the whole Bible. I will be your God, you will be my people. There are no more reassuring words ever spoken in the history of mankind than these. God wants to be your God. He wants you to be His. He wants to live with us. And so the whole revelation of the Bible tells this story. It starts in the Garden of Eden, God creating the earth 
creating that garden as a physical manifestation of his heavenly dwelling. The heavenly temple brought to earth where God and man dwell together in the garden. God at the center of the garden. God dwelling in the tree of life. God walking with them in the cool of the day, the spirit, the ruach of the day. God knowing Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve knowing God. (sighs) But then chapter 3. Adam and Eve reject God, don't they? We can be smarter than God. We can be like God. We don't really need God. And so they sin, and they they are removed from the garden, from the garden temple. And that was an act of grace and mercy on God's part, wasn't it? Because God didn't want them to eat from the tree of eternal life and be trapped in their sins forever. And thankfully, that's not the end of the book, is it? It's got more than three chapters, doesn't it? It's got hundreds of chapters. And the rest of the story is God striving to dwell among His people, yet with this glaring problem that the people are wicked and evil and prone to reject Him. But God doesn't quit, does He? God doesn't quit. God meets His people at Mount Sinai. And if you remember the story uh, there in, in the book of Exodus, God's people get out of slavery and they come to Mount Sinai and God is on top of that mountain and there's thunder and lightning and earthquakes and the people are scared out of their minds and they're, they're, we're not going near that thing. And God says, don't come near this thing. <laughs> he actually says, one person can climb this mountain. You know, Moses, Right? Moses, Moses is the one guy, he gets to climb the mountain, and Moses goes up and and speaks with God on behalf of the people. A little bit later, they build a tent for God, the tabernacle, and a few years after that, a temple for God. And God lives in that temple. He lives in the center of that temple, much like He did in the garden. And He invites the people to come to Him, but don't get too close. Don't get too close. And so the people can come, but they can't go in the tent, can they? Only the priests can go in the tent. And in the center of the tent, where God lives, sitting on His mercy throne, only one priest on one day of the year can walk into that room, into the presence of God. The high priest entering the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement. Years after that, Jesus will come, and Jesus will make some of the most radical statements, and His apostles along with Him, Jesus will say, I'm the tent, I'm the temple, I am the dwelling of God, I was with God, I am God. And so He is the living, breathing, walking, serving, loving presence of God on earth who dies for us rises for us, ascends for us, sending His Spirit, the presence of God, down into the church. You, me, all who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have, you are the temple. You 
are the meeting of God and man. We are the temple. Do you believe that? This is the redemptive story, isn't it? God with us, us with God, He, our God, we, His people. This is what all of history is about. This is what all of life is about. And yet, in the book of Hebrews, people wanted to give up on that. People who had said they trusted in that. Like, I just asked you guys, I said, do you believe that? And a few of you said, yeah. Maybe more of you were thinking, yeah. Maybe some of you were like, I don't know. And yet, some were falling away from it, drifting away from it, falling away from it. And so, Hebrews hits us. Chapter by chapter, page by page, it hits us with, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. God never gave up on us. After the garden, God didn't quit on you. Don't quit on him. Don't quit on him. Well, how how do we not quit? Here we go. Lesson one. We draw near to God through the love and good work of Christ. Our passage said we want to stir one another up to love and good works. And that's where we're going to land this morning. But before we get there, I want us to spend a few minutes meditating on the love and good work of Jesus for us. What has Jesus done for us? I want Jesus to stir you up this morning, to provoke you a little bit. I want what he has done to encourage you. Verse 22, Hebrews 10, 22, he says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. See, everything everything up until Jesus, draw near, yeah, but ah, be careful, be careful. You got to, don't forget your, don't forget your lamb. Got to kill it. Blood. Okay, priest, you go. You go, priest, go. Go, priest, go. I'll be over here waiting. So priest, blood, weird stuff, right? He goes in. Okay, okay, priest, Joe Priest, don't go in that next room. Be careful. There's a really big veil there to make sure you don't keep going. Warning, stay out. Okay, okay. One day, this is it, this is it. Yom Kippur, this is the day. High priest, high priest. Where's the high priest? Okay, clean him, dress him, clean him, dress him. Three times, blood, blood, yes, scapegoats, all of it. Go, go priest. Tassels, uh, bells, just in case. Rope around the foot, just in case. And then through the veil, blood, 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 blood. (laughs) Ah. That's the Old Testament, isn't it? (laughs) Let us draw near. That would make no sense to these Hebrews. (laughs) No, I don't get to draw near. That guy gets to draw near. And we, you know, we wish him well. (laughs) Christian, how do you draw near to God? 
What keeps you near to God? On what basis do you approach the throne? Did you bring a sacrifice into the meeting this morning? I hope not. I hope not. That sounds messy. <laughs> well, I bring, I bring my good deeds. I bring my confessions. I bring my rededication to the Lord. I bring my church attendance and all the good things I did this week. Well, then you're spitting in the face of Jesus. You're stuck, you're, you're stuck, in, a, you're stuck in a wrong dispensation. <laughs> did you come in this morning to give something to Jesus or to receive something from Jesus? Because if you came in this morning to give something to Jesus you don't understand the gospel. We come here this morning to receive from Jesus. We come em empty-handed, don't we? We come with our, uh, with our hearts split wide open, Jesus, fill it up. Father, by your grace and by your mercy, I come to you with a heart in full assurance of faith. Christ alone. Christ alone. Verse 19, up on, it's up on the screen, it's in your Bible. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter into the presence of God by our good works and, our, and, and all the good loving things we did this week and all the confessed sins that we muttered this week. That's why we… No, that's not what it says. We have confidence to enter by the blood of Jesus, period, period, full stop. There is no other confidence. There is no other plea. We come guiltless. We should come guiltless. We should come without shame. We should come without fear of rejection. We should come knowing that we will be welcomed by God in His presence based on the work of Jesus Christ. And listen, church, if God is welcoming all of us that way, can't we also welcome one another that way? Please. Verse 20, by the new and living way that He opened up for us through the curtain, that is through His flesh, Jesus' way is a new and living way as opposed to the old and dead way. The old and dead way for them was, all right, let's go to the temple, let's bring our lamb, let's kill our lamb, let's sprinkle blood, sprinkle blood, let's, bur let's burn up the lamb, let's, you know, let's uh, do this sacrifice, let's do our burnt offerings, let's do our guilt offerings, let's do our peace offerings, let's make sure, let's make sure we get it right. That's the old and dead way. Jesus is, is the new and living way. Why? Because Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is alive. His sacrifice is a once-for-all perpetual sacrifice for our sins. We don't have to bring anything else, do we? Just Christ, just Christ alone, just the, the faith, just faith in Christ. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. It says that he, that through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. So the author is reminding us of this curtain. Do you remember it? Between the holy place and the holiest place where the Ark of the Covenant was before Indiana Jones got it, right? So before that, the Ark of the Covenant was in there, and God was in there, and, and of that one priest, one day a year, and he would go through this, it was four inches thick, ten feet tall. Uh, some, some traditions say it took a hundred priests to move the veil. And that separated man from God. That veil separated man from God. Hebrews is saying Jesus' body became that veil that was torn that we might enter. It was torn on the cross. It was torn in his scourging when they whipped him and literally ripped his flesh into ribbons. He was in the flesh as a human taking our place so that that curtain would no longer block us from God. Amen? Wow. Wow. Verse 21. Since we have a great high priest, a great priest, or a high priest over the house of God. Church, Jesus is our high priest. You know, a prophet, a, a prophet spoke from God to the people. A priest speaks from the people to God. Now, the cool thing about Jesus is he's both, isn't he? Jesus is our prophet, speaking from God to us. He prophesies to you all the time through the Spirit, right? But Jesus here, the emphasis is Jesus is our priest, meaning he's speaking for humanity on behalf of humanity to God. And that's only possible if he is a human, right? Jesus the man. Is Jesus God? Yes. yes. Is Jesus human? Yes. Good. Good. Well done, class. <laughs> Jesus is both. And as both, he's the bridge. He's our high priest who represents us to God. You see, when, when, when you received Christ, you were placed into Christ. That means that you are represented by Jesus before God. Just like that high priest in the Old Testament, he would grab that lamb, that goat, and he would place his hands on the head of that goat, and he would confess the sins of the people. And then that high priest would take that goat, and he would kill that goat, and he would take the blood of that goat into the holiest place, and he would sprinkle that blood on the mercy seat of God. Jesus represents us in that same way, so that every time we sin, every time we fail, every time we blow it, how many of you have sinned, failed, or blown it this week? 
Yeah, every hand should go up. If you have messed it up, if you have gotten it wrong, if you have fallen short of the glory of God this week, your sin is covered by the blood. It is on the mercy seat. Do you see that? He, Jesus, is our high priest over the house of God. Church, we're the house of God. Jesus is our priest over us. He, see, he, sit, he sits over us. All of the church, all rule and authority has been granted to him. Jesus is our spiritual head. Jesus is our shepherd. Jesus is our pastor. Jesus is our leader. Jesus is our king. Jesus is our brother. Jesus is our friend. Number two, lesson two. Don't quit. Don't quit. Okay. This is the temple. This is the temple. Not the building. You know that, right? Not the bricks. Not the lights, not the speakers, not the piano, not the pulpit. Us. We're the temple. If we were doing this out in the, in the, on the back grass, we would still be the church, wouldn't we? If we, if we were doing this in somebody's backyard, we'd still be the church, wouldn't we? Right. Okay. So, we are the temple. Christ, our high priest, by his blood, we come empty-handed. So, don't quit. How? How do I not quit? Gather. Gather. Let's gather together. Verse 25, not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together. Here's the problem. Some of these Christians were neglecting to meet together. And he doesn't explicitly say why, but we got really good guesses. Persecution. So they're afraid. And maybe, maybe it's statewide persecution. I mean, we're, we're, getting, we're getting there. We're in post-Nero when this is written. Maybe it's just in the neighborhood persecution. Like, you weirdo, what are you doing? Early Christians were called atheists in the community. Did you know that? Because they had no priests and they had no temple and they didn't have idols. And so everybody was like, you're a bunch of atheists. <laughs> How do you even worship? I'm like, well, it's spiritual. <laughs> spiritual? What? <laughs> yeah. And, and then it's like you don't, come, you don't get invited to the backyard cookouts, right? At work, at the water cooler, everybody's kind of gossiping about you because you're the weirdo who doesn't go to the big temple of Aphrodite on weekends. Maybe it's that. Maybe some of them were just being drawn back into the practices of the Old Testament. They were going to the Jewish temple and trying to kill lambs and goats again. They were neglecting to meet together, maybe from fear, maybe from comfort. Why do you neglect to meet together? What keeps you away from church? Fear? Well, maybe people will talk about me. Brady, I haven't been in so long that if I walk back in there now, I'm just going to get all of this, where you been? Where you been? 
I haven't seen you in 18 months. And I, don't, I just don't want to deal with that. Comfort? Well, you know, I got four little kids, Brady. You know, getting, getting everybody out of bed, bed fed and, and dressed and in the, in the minivan, it's rough. Brady, you have no idea what it's like to raise four little kids. They're making a habit of it, it says. They're making a habit. Church, ecclesia. It means, guess what that word means? Gather. It means assemble. The church, by its nature, is an assembly of people. That's what it is. The church of Christ is an assembly of people that love and worship Christ. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, what is the gathering of Grace Baptist Church? When does the gathering of Grace Baptist Church occur? It's not a trick question, (laughs) y'all. Sunday mornings at 1030. That's the gathering of Grace Baptist Church, isn't it? This is, this is what we have set aside as a congregational, as elders over the years. We have said, hey, the gathering of Grace Baptist Church is going to be Sunday mornings at 1030 and other special occasions like Christmas Eve or Good Friday or whatever. This is the gathering of Grace Baptist Church. What is not the gathering of Grace Baptist Church? Well, the universal church is not the gathering of Grace Baptist Church, is it? Well, Brady, I don't need to go to church because I'm part of the universal church. No, (laughs) no. There's no such thing as that in Scripture. That's not a thing. Well, Brady, um, my parachurch organization is my church. I'm in college, so I go to InterVarsity or Campus Crew. I go to Crew, Campus Crusade. Okay, that is not the gathering of the church. Your small group is not the gathering of Grace Baptist Church. Your Sunday morning class is not the gathering of Grace Baptist Church, is it? Church hopping is not gathering. Brady, come on, man. Too much. You're going too far. Maybe, maybe I am. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. Look, I'm not trying to be a legalist here, and we don't keep attendance. Somebody asked me that a couple weeks ago. I was doing a membership interview. You guys keep attendance? And they, I think they thought the answer would be yes. I was like, no. <laughs> no, you don't have to fill anything out that you were here. But look, have you made a habit of neglecting? Neglecting, forsaking, deserting, severing ties with. That's what that word means. It doesn't mean you missed a week because you were on vacation. I'm not talking about that. It doesn't mean you missed because you're sick and you, you literally can't get out of bed. I'm not talking about that. 
I'm, I'm asking, have you neglected the church gathering? Has it become a habit? Because if it has, then you are in danger of falling away. Look, does a Christian have to go to church? No. No. A Christian doesn't have to go. If somebody dies on their deathbed, right, and they never went to church, are they a Christian? Yeah. Are they going to heaven? Yes. They're going, they're going to the great big church in the sky, aren't they? But will a Christian go to church? Yes. The answer to that is yes. A Christian will go to church. So why assemble? Why do we assemble? How do we assemble? We assemble in faith. We assemble in faith. Faith in what? I'm going to give you five things that we have faith in that drives our assembly. Because we don't want to assemble from works. We don't want to assemble from guilt. We don't want to assemble from shame. We don't want to assemble, uh, and we don't want to neglect assembling out of fear or comfort. We want to assemble, and we want to assemble by faith. Faith in what? Here we go. Number one, faith in our identity in Christ as his sanctified priests. Faith in our identity in Christ as his sanctified priests. Verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What in the world does that mean? He's taking us back. He's going back to the Old Testament. The priest, the priest in order to enter had to do two things. Number one, they had to wash. They had to literally, remember the basin? There was this big basin, and, and they would wash, right? And then they would kill the animal, take the blood, and they would, they would put the blood on their earlobes and thumbs and stuff, and they would sprinkle, and then they could go in. If they hadn't washed and they hadn't been sprinkled, they don't go in, do they? Christian, are you sprinkled and washed? Does it say, go to church to be sprinkled and washed? Is that what it says? No. It says, because you have been sprinkled and washed, go to church. <laughs> Get into the temple. Get into the assembly. Our heart is sprinkled. Our heart is clean. Why? Because we are in Christ. Number two, faith in God's faithfulness. Faith in what? Come to church by faith. Faith in what, Brady? How about faith in God's faithfulness? Faith in God's faithfulness. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. When you walk into church, when you join, when you gather, when you become part of the group, the community, when you come in here, it is an expression of faith in God's faithfulness to us. Do you understand that? Are you experiencing that? Are you being reminded of all He has done? All that His salvation has revealed? Number three. Faith that knowing and being known is a good thing. 
Do you believe that? Listen, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, I struggle to believe that sometimes. I'm an introvert by nature. My personality is one where, like, I, I could be by myself most of the time and be fine. So, be known, know a bunch of people. Do I have to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good, Brady, it's good. I want to believe that. I do believe that. Verse 24, let us consider how to stir up one another. To consider, that word consider, it means to look intently into. Or we might say, pay attention to each other. Know each other. Have a plan. Are you considering others? Are you intently digging into somebody else's life here? I'm not saying be a busybody. I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not saying be a busybody. I'm saying, are you in settings, are you getting to know people well enough that I could say, I know the needs in his or her life. I know the struggles, I know the sorrows, I know the rejoicings, and I can join them in those things. And I can make a plan to help them to love others and do good because I know them so well. Number four, faith in our future gathering in heaven. Faith in what? Why go to church? I, I, want, I want to go to church from faith. Faith in what? Faith that when we gather, it is a vision of heaven. Yeah? 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 Some of you are like, man, I hope heaven's better than this. <laughs> Whew. It will be. I promise you, it will be. <laughs> it will be. But listen, the section ends with, as you see the day approaching. Did you, did you notice that? Gather. Don't neglect gathering. Gather. Stir one another up to love and good deeds. And all the more, as you see the day. What day? The day. It's the day. <laughs> like the day. You know what I'm saying? like the day, the day when Jesus comes back and says, let's go to heaven. Let's go to heaven, y'all. Practice is over. Good job. Practice is over. It's time for the real party. Let's go. Let's go. Look at how Hebrews 12 says it. But you have come. Right before this, he said, you didn't come to Mount Sinai. You're not back at Mount Sinai, y'all. Church is not Mount Sinai, right? Go like this, yeah. <laughs> Church is not Mount Sinai. It is Mount Zion. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels and festal gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus. <laughs> the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Is that how you see church? Did you know? And listen, look, look, look. Let's go back. But you will come. Is that what it says? One day, one day we're going to get… No, you have come. You're there. 
When you walked in here this morning, did you know that you are walking into the presence of all the saints, past, present, future, the gathering of the angels, the presence of God and Jesus and His blood? Do you know that? Whew. If that doesn't get you out of bed on a Sunday morning, I got nothing else. I can't add anything to this. Donuts? You know? <laughs> Can we have some donuts, Brady? <laughs> Number five, faith that we will experience Jesus in a unique way at the gathering. Listen, Christian, you have an experience of Jesus as an individual. There's no doubt. I individually experience Christ on a daily basis. But listen to me. There is a unique experience of Christ that happens when we gather. It's different. It's different. Here's how Hebrews 2 says it. For he who sanctifies, this is talking about the Father, he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why He, Jesus, is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, this is Jesus talking, this is Jesus talking, I will tell of your name, Father, to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. Whew. Did you know that Jesus comes to church every Sunday? Jesus comes every Sunday. Did you know that Jesus sings every song? Jesus prays every prayer. He preaches every sermon. He smiles every smile. He welcomes every guest. He teaches every child. He holds every baby. He parks every car. <laughs> he's here. And he's not ashamed of us, is he? He's not ashamed. Are you ashamed of him? He's not ashamed of you. He loves coming to church. He's here. Lesson three. Lesson three. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. And don't just show up, don't just show up. Let's stir one another up while we're here. While we're here, let's stir one another up to love and good works. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Let us consider, plan, stoke the fire, be near, be understanding, <clears throat> get to know how to stir up. Let's stir up, provoke. It's a strong word. It's usually negative. Provoke, incite, irritate. Ah, oh, if I have to hear one more time. <laughs> yeah, you need to hear one more time. <laughs> Are you doing it yet? No. Well, then you need to hear it one more time. 
Brady, you're so irritating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, I am. It tells me to be. <laughs> it tells me to irritate you. Who are you stirring up, Christian? Who, are you, who's, who do you stir up to love? Let me ask this. What effect do you have on other people here? What is your effect on the church? Are you the grumbler, the complainer, the gossiper, the poo-pooer? Who are you? Or are you the, let's do it, we can do it, come on, I see you doing it, let's go. I'm going to help you, I'm going to be there, I'm going to hold your hand, I'm going to walk with you. You can do it. You can do Is that, which are you? Which are you? How? How do we provoke one another to love and good works? Bottom line, simple, simple answer, do love and good works. It's synergistic, isn't it? Joy said that, you know, um, helps team. Helps team is a ministry we have where you sign up, and when somebody needs help with a meal or something, you take a meal, right? She said lots of people who over the year have received meals have said, oh, I want to give meals. What just happened? Love and good deeds stirred up love and good deeds, right? I became a teacher because I had a teacher when I was at my lowest of my low, hated everybody, hated my family, hated my school, and, my, and I had a teacher that when he said, on the card, write one thing I should know about you, and I wrote, I hate this school, and I turned it in. <laughs> And, I, and, and that teacher, do you know what he didn't do? He didn't send me to the office. He didn't give me demerits. He wrote me a one-page letter about how much he cared about me and loved me. And it changed my life. It changed my life. And I said, I'm, I want to do what that guy did. His love and good deeds stirred me up to love and good deeds. Listen, get small. This is, this is the part where we say, get small. How do I know people? I can't know 500 people, 600 people. But listen, I can know the eight guys in my small group. And I do know them. Get small. Invite people to do good with you. Hey, we're doing this. Come on, come join us. Visit the sick, visit the poor, visit the imprisoned. That's where Hebrews will go next. Share suffering with people. Start a new ministry opportunity. Jamie Livingston sitting over here, she came to me a few weeks ago, months ago now probably, and said, hey, I'm a stepmom. I would love to start a small group for stepmoms. Awesome! Let's do it! If you're here this morning and you're a stepmom and you want to connect with other stepmoms, meet Jamie Livingston. Jamie, raise your hand. She's right over here to, to my left. Email me, call me, call Kristen. We'll get you her information. Some, some in the church that speak Spanish have said, Brady, can we start a Spanish, can we start Spanish-speaking groups? Yes! Let's stir that up. Let's stir that up. And so soon we're going to have a, a small group for men who speak Spanish and a small group for women who speak Spanish. And who knows what Jesus will do with this, right? <laughs> stir one another up by faith. Listen, it's no good if it's not by faith. 
If it's not by faith, it's going to be us doing it, and then we're going to, then when it, when it blows, when it goes south, we're going to get discouraged and angry at God, and if it goes well, we're going to be like, look at us, grace. No, we do it by faith. We do it because Jesus has done it for us, and He empowers us to love and good works. Amen? Not me, but Christ in me. Let's pray. Jesus, not I, but you in me, by faith, by faith. We believe, Jesus, that you are with us. We believe that you are present. Jesus, I lift up anybody here this morning that has not received you, has not received your life has not received your sacrifice, your blood atonement. And maybe they're stuck. Maybe they're still trying to bring something dead, including themselves. God, would you show them that they don't have to do that? They don't have to do that. God, maybe there's a Christian here this morning that's, that's drifted backwards into that. Performance. Comparing. Achieving. God, show them they don't have to do that. <clears throat> Jesus, it's your blood. You're the curtain. You're the priest. You're the sacrifice. You're the altar. You're everything. You're everything. And we are sprinkled and we are clean. Jesus, send us out of here. Send us out of this gathering into the world. And each week, may we look forward to when we can gather together again and hold fast our confession, the confession of faith, the confession that it's all of you, Jesus, and not ourselves. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.